fans with Josh on the road. That's Connor Pasby. I'm Chris Plank. We're at Cavens Disaster Response Group on a Thursday. Commercial disaster response and large loss. Crime scene cleanup, industrial accidents, trauma cleanup, plus mold testing and investigation. All at Cavens Disaster Response Group. What do we have on KRFSports.TV, Pasby? Anything? Where are you going tonight? So I will be at Noble. We'll have UConn and Evan Santa Fe girls. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the other spots we have. Let me <laughs> break down the well, schedule I mean, here later on. There, there's nothing worse than whenever <laughs> everything you typically do during your day is thrown off because you've got to sit in for somebody. It's like, I'm usually done with this by now. At Edmund North and Sorry. Mustang will be at Shawnee. We'll also have that KRESports.TV. Uh, Piedmont and Norman. Uh, that'll Boys. be a girls matchup in area. So, are you um, are you ready for the top five stories of the day? How are you feeling about that? Feel pretty good. Let's do it. All right. Brought to you by New Cal- It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Newcastle Casino, I-44, exit 107, online at newcastlecasino.com. Every single day, they bring you the top five stories today. So here we go with big story number five. Number five. All right, we, um, we had good news hit during the break. For the show, this is, we'll get to the NFL combine stuff. For the show, Connor Pasby, confirmed, confirmed, we will be coming to you live starting at 9 a.m. tomorrow from Love's Field. The bad news, uh, (laughs) we're going to split the show up. I haven't talked to TJ about it. TJ, uh, I figure the best meetings are always the ones where you just have them on the air. So I was going to do 9 to 10.30 live from Love's, and then Josh was going to do 10.30 to noon live from Vegas. I feel like that's a pretty good split, don't you? It, it sounds good. Now it's about making it happen. <laughs> it's an even better, better, better. I, I, I guess we'll wait and see. How about that? See, here's kind of the plan. If you guys want to be equipment nerds, I can be equipment nerds with you, okay? But basically – we can't be on at the same time with the equipment that we have. And we are definitely in an equipment shortage based on old red going down. I still, TJ, every so often, he just shakes his head in disbelief. And there's still a part of me that, you know, it's been hard on me because I was the last guy to use that piece of equipment whenever the issue started. Like, I felt like I could have done more. Could Did I do something wrong? When the mayor came on, Connor, is it my fault that Red's no longer with us? You, you've been through Red from the start to finish. And then Steely, on the other hand, was all oh, blue kit. He, he did he, not he like hate, the red kit. He hated the red kit. Hated it. So, yeah. Ah, just mm, Sad times. So, I, that's the plan right now. You'll get an hour and a half of Josh with baseball, an hour and a half of me with softball, and then I'll slide in as soon as the ribbon-cutting ceremony is done. And then Jenny Bronchek's going to join us after the top tomorrow, uh, right off the top tomorrow. There you go. It's planned. It's planned. Ready? On three. Last night we had day two. No, day three of combine interviews and things of that nature. For, for some reason – 
I, I guess the rumors started to build that Jalen Waddle could be traded. Chris Greer said no. No, I said as I said in the middle of the season, no thoughts of trading Jalen Waddle. Uh, we want him here for a long time, and uh, we think he's a big part of uh, our now and our future here. So he's a great person on and off the field, and and we still think as good as he is, he still has runway to uh, keep getting better. Um, I don't. I feel like we're all tired already of the Chicago Bears debate. So I feel like we've heard from their GM and their president. I don't need to hear anything more. Where do you stand right now? Draft Caleb Williams or do you stick with Justin Fields and trade down? Where's Connor Pasme right now? <laughs> uh, you you got to go Caleb Williams, man. It, it, I feel like that would come back to haunt you if you're the Chicago Bears if you do pass up on, uh, yeah, definitely the best player in college football. And, yeah, that's a – that's a guy who can be your franchise quarterback. Do you know what? No, I, I wish, I wish we could at least have Josh on, so we could talk about that statement that Chief Saholic's lawyer made. That's coming up in the, uh, that's coming up a little bit later on in the program. But the Miko Hardman allegations, I think, is something worth keeping an eye on. First, you know, he went out and took his shot at the Jets. Going to the Jets, I've seen the other side of where it's not where you want to be at. Y'all can't tell me about winning. I've been to four Super Bowls in five years. You know what I'm saying? I know what winning looks like. I know what winning is. So y'all keep telling me certain things. It's like I'm not going for that. Like, because y'all not doing it right. Like, we got hammers on the ground. We don't got no discipline. People feel like it's too many individual egos in this locker room or whatever. And I'm telling them, like, that's not going to get y'all to win. It's not going to happen. But then, like, like the Jets punter came out and they accused Miko Hardman of leaking the game plan to other teams. Like, I don't know if that's one of those internet things that ends up getting destroyed, one of those social media things that it's like, oh, well, that's just not true. But it does. It makes for some interesting conversations, does it not? That would be wild if your wide receiver is leaking. Yeah, game plan. That's be a cancer in your locker room, which yeah, I guess we don't yeah we don't know if it's true or not. Right. Uh, all right. Uh, enough about the NFL. We'll actually get some drills going on throughout the day today at the combine. Big story number four. Number four. So again, according to all of the reports that are currently taking place across the college football world, it looks as if we are on the verge of a fourteen-team playoff a 14-team playoff. This would include three automatic bids for teams from the SEC and the Big Ten, two automatic bids for the Big 12 and the ACC, one automatic bid for the highest-ranked next conference, and then three at large. And I would assume if we're just going from 12 to 14, am I understanding it right that then you would still have two teams that get a bye? Yeah. or, or is my math off here? Am I completely not understanding? I think this? You're, you would think that would happen with fourteen. I think the only thing that'll be interesting is is to see what effect it has on the conference championship games. Because to me, then are you just if you if you want to tell me that it ruins the regular season, like I said, I will fight you and we'll yell, we'll see at each other for ten minutes. But I'm there with you. If you want to talk about like what this does to conference championship games right well and if you make the if you make the conference championship and you lose are you the are you the second team at your conference that gets in or is there someone behind you that has an equal record 
Mm. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. None of us know. Meanwhile, the Oklahoma Sooners learned that they will be speaking on Tuesday, July sixteenth at SEC Media Days. That will be the same day that Josh Heupel will talk about Tennessee, Kirby Smart on Georgia, and Eli Drinkwitz will break down Missouri. Obviously, no news. No news um, involving one player or two that might be in the mix. And I saw this story since we're just kind of on a lot of football right now. But I think Brian Clinton had reported it or at least found it. But Emeka Megwa has filed a civil lawsuit against Washington alleging medical negligence. There's a report by the Seattle Times that Megwa has filed suit against Washington seeking damages uh, of nine current or former members of the Husky sports medicine staff, football coaching staff, athletic trainers, and physical therapist the complaint alleges that washington's medical staff was negligent in the rehabilitation of magua's acl injury resulting in a subsequent injury in the same knee so there you go worth keeping an eye on which gets us to big story number three number three so um a lot of football brent venables made an appearance on the oklahoma breakdown teddy and games podcast and among the things we learned was that jacob lacy is going to have to retire from football and as somebody said it earlier on the text line, I'm, I'm happy that he is healthy and that he survived this. He had two pulmonary embolisms incidents in less than a year. Both times he was told, you're lucky to be alive. And according to his tweet, he said, the game I love was taken away from me. But I refuse to let it define me. Sooner Nation, thank you for everything you've done for me and my family. God has a plan. Yeah, play, it just stinks. I mean, it's hard to play with blood clots, but... You hope for, you know, the next adventure for him is uh, in a good way. He did a lot of good things for Oklahoma, played good in that Texas game. So, yeah, I hope the best for him. Me too. Me too. Um, Listen, we got Brent talking about the quarterback play and what they need to see from Jackson Arnold. But I think just for the sake of time here, I want to save it until later. Maybe we'll get into it after the bottom of the hour. How's that sound? It'll get us to big story number two. Number two. Man, what an, what an unfortunate story that uh, came out of Ames last night. Tough loss for the Oklahoma Sooners as they fall on the road to the Iowa State Cyclones after the game, um, as you might imagine. Uh, not, not a happy, not a happy by any stretch of the imagination, um, Porter Moser, but I – I mean, am I minimizing this? Am I not making this a big enough deal for some people whenever I say, well, the good news is, you know, it's not like you lost to some schlep. This doesn't hurt you too terribly much in the overall grand scheme of things as far as making the tournament is concerned. I mean, am I minimizing this too much if I'm not that down about it? No, I mean, it's a top 10 team, Plank, but the way that game went, I mean, Iowa State could not hit anything in that first half, and it gave OU – you know, plenty of chances to close that first half strong, but Iowa State goes on a 9-0 run. So that's why people are kind of, you know, upset with that and how the second half started. You just had chances to, you know, go grab a big-time win on the road. You know, I, I thought um, for us we knew we had to make some threes to win this game. 
um, you know, because they their defense is so good and they pack you in, they don't let you get to the rim. Um, but I think the biggest story is I think we did a lot of things defensively. I mean, they're starting five with seven for, I think, uh, 38. Um, you know, seven for 38, they're starting five. You know, we wanted to control Lipsy and Gilbert. They were two for 13, two for 11. And what happened was their, their sub, Damarian Watson, was seven for seven with nine rebounds. He had 15 points, nine rebounds. He's averaging one point a game. He's at one three all year. His career high is seven. And, uh, you know, they, we on a, on a big play with like five minutes left, we were trying to climb back and trying to get a run going. And he hit a three at the at the shot clock. It's his only second three all year. And I thought that that bench, his performance, you know, I think was a difference. Um, you know, we, we we said one of the keys is we were going to have to be high assists, low turnovers, and really make some threes against them. Yep. And um, we, we 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 didn't do that. Um, we had 14 assists or 14 turnovers. But um, you know, defensively, the other thing was rebounding. Um, they took 15 more shots than us, or 17 more shots than us. Um, they took 17 more shots than us. And I think you know the shooting percentage, and that's that's the difference. You know, um, they got they got some offense rebounds when we did get the stops. Um, you know, and uh, I think that was the difference in the game. We we've, we've got to be tougher. This is this has got to be a prelim for Houston. I mean, these two teams are the two toughest defensive physical teams in the country, yeah. um, and all the numbers show it. Um, forcing turnovers, and um, we got to be better. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna. This loss can't go in vain. We got to learn from this kind of intensity in, you know, heating up the guards as we go and play Houston on Saturday. Hey, tough one last night for Oklahoma, but it's gonna get tougher on Saturday. You don't want to get raced. That's how good. Isn't it wild to think about how good this Houston team is? They were like, you know, if we can keep this within double digits, I'm going to feel pretty good about things, <laughs> right? Yeah. After seeing what they did to Baylor at Foster Pavilion, that, that game ended up being a six-point game, right? So it wasn't – it didn't look as bad as it was. But 58-45 last night, and just nobody could get anything going offensively for Oklahoma. Well, and that Watson kid was huge for Iowa State off the bench with 15. That's kind of in the story. It feels like every single game for OU is whoever they're playing, a kid that's averaging – you know, single digits, goes off, off the bench. So he played uh, big time. But, yeah, OU just couldn't come up with any shots or just any offensive rhythm at all None. in the second half. None. Which gets us to big story number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. For the second straight season, the Oklahoma women's basketball program has claimed the Big 12 regular season championship. And if you were listening like I was on the Sooner Radio Network, you know. Oh, hold up. Porter's still talking. Wait, I'm sorry. I've not been really good about turning off audio while it's still playing. Sorry about that. This is what it sounded like whenever OU made its big shot. We had to have the one all the way across the floor call it, OU, which always personally grinded my gears. OU has not made a basket in the last three minutes and one second. They've missed seven straight shots. Texas has only made one of their last seven. But Oklahoma with a final chance here to win an outright Big 12 title or force overtime. Raina Scott has checked in. She'll inbound on the near sideline in front of us. 13 seconds left. Texas up 70-68. Raina gets the ball from the official. 
Lob down low to Van. Got underneath. Goes up. Shot blocked. Out of bounds by Taylor Jones with 11 seconds left. Boy, that was a great pass from Reyna to get a good look. But Taylor Jones blocked Skyder's shot. Now Reyna will inbound baseline right. Gets the ball from the official. Looking for a teammate. Bounce pass into Van. Goes to the basket inside. High arcing shot. No good. Rebound in the corner. Van saves it to Keyes. Oh, Shoots a, a three. Look. It's gone! Lexi Keyes makes what a three. A the Sooners take the lead with four and a half seconds to go. Lexi Keyes got free in the corner. Oklahoma gets the win. We'll hear from Jenny Baranchek next. Pretty awesome, huh? Yeah, to see them, to be in that situation last year and not be able to get it done, and to get it done this year, that's so cool. Well, and then Skylar Van saving that ball from going out of bounds to find Lexi Key. She's the one that missed a shot, but she did not give up on the play. Really, really impressive play by her. I noticed Texas fans were really upset about the officiating. Brian was also upset about the officiating on our end. So... Uh, Texas, Texas, they didn't like the travel call that was – I uh, forgot who it was on late in the ball game that gave the ball back to OU. Uh, I uh, – oh, poor Texas. Just when will they catch a break? All right, when we come back, we'll hear from the Sooner head women's basketball coach, Ginny Baranchek, plus uh, Brent Venables on what he's seen so far from Jackson Arnold after the tough, tough bowl game. You'll hear it all next right here on The Ref. Plank Show is live from Caven's Disaster Response Group. When a loss occurs, the clock starts ticking. So you call Caven's first to prevent more damage. Rapid response is crucial. Your commercial disaster response remediation and restoration firm is Caven's. 405-573-3048. All right, I love this from Ginny Bronchek. I think James had asked her about the final few possessions and how they handled it first i was really mad at my son because we were literally in the car on the way over and he says you know the worst thing when you're up one and there's five seconds left (laughs) yeah that's what he says in the car on the way over um no i think i yeah for real i know he's like i predicted it i was like not be don't be so happy (laughs) um but yeah and so that was the first thought and i was like okay and then you pray and then you know um (laughs) Uh, actually, yes, but yes. Uh, but no, I think we've gone over so many end of game situations and we've and we faced a lot of those situations where you have to get a stop. And so I think we were really convicted. Now, it was hard not having Peyton in. Right. And so then you were in different positions than maybe what you normally are in. Um, but I think that's what Kennedy Tucker provides, too, is that she can be in multiple positions. Yep. So I felt really good about what we needed to do and knew. And we also knew if they were going to hit a good shot, then they're going to hit a good shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you still have to be there. You still have to talk. You still have to be able to get the rebound. You still have to be able to do all those things. And so I thought they read it really well. I thought Skyler went over to double really well. Um, and because Madison Booker is so good. Mm-hmm. She's very, very good. And... So you kind of knew that it was going to go to her. But we were in an end-of-game situations there, too. So we knew some of them. Uh, we didn't know that one. But, um, yeah, I, that's it. I mean, we knew what we were in. We knew we needed to talk. And we knew we, knew we had to do it together. Can you imagine that? Your kid on the way over is like, it's the worst whenever you're up one with, like, five seconds to go. And then that's the scenario that plays out. <laughs> he predicted, yeah, he predicted the final. You know, it's a three-point game, you foul. Two-point game, you know that, you know, just don't let them get a three. Protect the offensive boards, right? Worst thing that, well, you could lose on a three, but 
you know, the worst thing is the very well, one of the worst things is overtime, right? But when it's one, you can't foul, you go to the free throw line, you might have two shots, couldn't have been in the game. Oh, it's the worst. Well, and the team has plenty of time to get up a shot. Yeah, it's it, it's nerve wracking. Yeah. yeah, it's not like you're up one with like point nine or one point three seconds left. You're up one with five seconds left in the game. Well, then they then they call a timeout and get the ball yeah. at half court. Yeah, uh, Lexi Keys talked about her shot. Um, honestly, I think I ended up in the right place at the right time getting there but I think we just continue to as a team just keep playing hard um and we've been talking about in practice just finish plays finish plays and I think um that was a gutsy win on on everyone's part so I think I just happened to be there and um they were giving me confidence just keep shooting so I think honestly right time or right place right time but um amazing save by Sky absolutely amazing save I will add there was a lot of Missed open looks too before that. Oh, there was. They, they had plenty, oh, <laughs> plenty so of chances good. for a big time shot, but they just kept hustling on that possession. So many, um, and then I, I, I talk a lot about Coach Peroncheck. I just I I think she's something pretty special. And whenever you hear her at the start of this press conference, um, I'm you know I'm not usually speechless as you all know, um, but. Um, what a game. And looking at a stat sheet, we shouldn't have won it, obviously, and Texas is so talented. Um, and yet we just had this never-say-die attitude, and we just kept going and kept going and kept going. And I think this team has really found itself to be a really good team. And I don't mean good because we won a Big 12 championship. I mean a good team because they cover for each other, they help each other, they believe in each other, they just... They never quit on each other, and they never have a second of doubt, even when it doesn't seem possible. And as you all know, and you're probably going to ask how we've gotten this far, um, we had some choices to make, and I think we made some pretty darn good ones. There you go. Good stuff from Ginny B. OU's the Big 12 champion. I think there was one more. One more than I wanted. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the the offensive rebounding from last night got really solid or, or improved as the game progressed. Well, it had to because our shooting percentage didn't, and uh, and but that's what I mean. I mean, even at the end of the game, and it's, you know, I mean, every one of those we were just on the floor. Even when we didn't get it, even when we fouled, even when you know something happened, we really wanted it. In that first quarter, you could tell Texas came in. They threw the first, second, third punch. We were completely on our heels, and you take that 10 minutes out, and it's a different basketball game, but you don't get to do that. And so I feel like we responded well after that, um, and then in that end, I think we just kept going. There you go. Man, I did not edit those well. <laughs> Holy smokes. But, man, OU did. They had 21 offensive rebounds and out-rebounded Texas 47-30 to last night. You shouldn't – Oklahoma – you shouldn't be doing that to Texas with how much size they have. And granted, it's it's been a little bit dinged this year. Something tells me we're going to see these two teams play again. Something tells me we're going to see these two teams play again. Been that, two two excellent prediction. two excellent matchups in Austin and then Norman last night. Oh, true sooner. I'd rather be up one with five seconds left 
then down one. Interesting. Mm, that's a good debate. That's a good debate. All right, when we come back, uh, what Brent Venables said about Jackson Arnold's development and the best of the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. <laughs> Welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. Do you know one thing that I am intrigued by this weekend, Connor Pasby, with the opening of Love's Field? I'm intrigued to see what the standing room's only situation looks like because there's going to be some affordable options for fans to go and enjoy the game in in a standing room only setting. But, I mean, I'm just going to tell you right, standing room only, my experience is that it's, it's never really been smooth for me. I bought SRO tickets for like three events, and literally I found myself just walking around the concourse the whole time. Standing room only is going to be insane this weekend so? at Love's okay. Field. Yes, there will be plenty of people. They're just glad to, you know, be in the set. Okay. I finally got a chance. I haven't been in it yet. I haven't walked in it. But my man Jacob Potter just sent me the pick of the radio booth. Feel pretty good. There is there is room for the two things that I have asked for. There is room for a mini fridge, Toby Baldwin, and. Uh, and hopefully like a little Keurig. And I will need room for my wife and my kids in there because I think at some point I told them I was getting them tickets, and it ain't happening. So, look, you get to sit with Dad. How cool is this? Meanwhile, they can't see the field, and every time they talk, I'm like, shut up. <laughs> I've had to stay quiet. <laughs> Brent Venables was on with Teddy and Gabe. A uh, lot of really good stuff from the Oklahoma Breakdown. Uh, he and we played the what was that about an eight minute clip earlier when it just went through the defense. Well, I went through every guy, but in talking about the interior of the defensive line, the unfortunate thing is there will be no Jacob Lacey. Uh, he is having to retire from football, but I'm glad he's healthy and I'm glad that they have a a handle on the uh, blood clot issues that he has been battling with. So I'm just I'm grateful he's still with us because that those are the types of things that. It won't end well if he continued to try to push through in play. So I'm really happy that he's healthy. Um, I'm going to miss watching him play, and I think he was pretty integral to the Sooners' interior rotation. Oh, I, I we haven't talked about this yet before we play what Coach said about Jackson Arnold. Brent Venables didn't necessarily shut the door on getting another offensive lineman out of the portal. So, you know, Eddie Pierre-Louis is the only guy that's not there on the offensive line. Everyone else, as far as players that they've brought in from the portal and signees are there. But, you know, he, I, I would not be surprised. They love the WeeWoo kid out of North Texas. I think if I was penciling in a starting offensive line based on what Coach Venable said and what Gabe's told me is WeeWoo's the guy that I'd probably be putting in there in like a right guard, left guard spot right now. But, at least to me, it sounded like they might not be done in the portal on offensive line. And it sounds to me like Brent Venables is very happy with what he's seen from Jackson Arnold. Oh, hold on. Wait for it. During our season, you know, he had the humility and the wherewithal, uh, the intuition. Now I have this amazing opportunity to uh, be mentored and learn from one of the best collegiate quarterbacks in college football in the history of the game. You know, that's what the stats show with Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. 
you know, whether it's his processes and how he attacked the out of season or how he led from the sideline or his decision-making on game day, executing, uh, you know, some of the basics. He had a willingness to learn and grow and get better as opposed to, uh, you know, be a sleepy freshman and, you know, not expect to get in the game and, uh, you know, it's not his time. You know, Jackson's built different. He's wired differently. And he had the humility to, to, to learn from, from other people. And, uh, but, but, since the end of the, uh, you know, our last game, uh, again, having a great self-awareness that Jackson does. Hey, man, these are things I'm immediately, he took ownership uh, in the things that he, he could have done better. And I think that's part of it. And as you, you know, you, you uh, failures, that fertilizer that we all, we don't like it sometimes. It smells funky and all that. And, but the fertilizer that failure gives you, you know, is how you get where you want to go. And, He's willing to spread it everywhere. And, but his leadership, you know, hey, he's the guy. Everything starts with him. He sets the thermostat in every environment that he goes into, whether that's, you know, showing up to competitions over there at the, you know, indoor facility or the weight room or the walkthroughs, the, you know, the segment meetings. Everything goes through Jackson Arnold, uh, certainly when it comes to the offense and the quarterback room. And, but even as a team, you know, you're at the University of Oklahoma, there's a level of expectation from the leadership and the toughness and being the example that that position requires. And uh, so it's not for the faint of heart. And, uh, but at the same time, he just needs to be him. You know, it's not going to be him. Uh, you know, he's got his own silo over here and it's all on him because it's not. And, uh, we got a, a great foundation of, of other leaders around him too that are going to support him and help him become a great player and a great leader. And uh, but he's in in line with those those guys. And uh, so just seeing the confidence uh, more outward in his leadership. Uh, sometimes you know again when you have uh, he 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 took his place um, you know on the roster last year. And uh, just he knew that this is an opportunity to learn, and he didn't know what he didn't know. And so he had that humility and awareness about where what he needed to do to get better. And, and now he's just attacked, attacked it with you know, just a relentless mindset uh, every single day. He, he's going to – he's he'd been wide open and, uh, you know, and very intentional about everything that he's been doing. So I'm excited. You know, again, we haven't taken any, you know, snaps out there together uh, for – you know, team 130 and the team where he's he's the he's the guy. Uh, you know, for a full spring and wherever we start in in the spring, my expectations will be better by the end of the spring, and then there'll be another opportunity through what you can do with the guys in the summertime. Now that we'll install again over the course of the summer prior to fall camp, and there'll be another big jump, and then and then the same thing in fall camp. You know, a season of its own. And uh, we'll have another opportunity to install the whole offense and, and take another big jump, too. So uh, this is that next phase for us here in the 11 days. And uh, really, really excited about him and uh, any of the other guys, you know, Mike Hawkins and Brendan Zerberg and, uh, you know, uh, you know Casey Thompson, that, that group of guys. I'm really excited about all those guys, you know, and the development that it's going to happen for them, too. One thing that Brent uh, Venables talked about that really I thought – Connor was well a lot it's really good it's really good by the way JP Sooner you're right failure is a fertilizer what a freaking line right that's a heck of a saying what a line and it it, it is when you're that age <laughs> and when you get a little bit older it's kind of like ah, well oh well 
guess I won't be doing that. But no, I. It gets me fired up about to, to hear the leadership, uh, and, and how Jackson Arnold has bounced back. Big news, of course, the Jacob Lacey injury. His career is over. Injury, uh, pulmonary embolism. Suffered a second one. Right, is he's lucky to be alive. So I don't think it's get back out there and play. I think it's my gosh, man, enjoy your life. And it was awesome to watch you play. Um, Deshaun McCullough had a knee cleanup. He'll apparently be able to participate in some of the spring. Justin Harrington, no spring, but they still haven't heard back, though they fully expect him to be in that cheetah mix. Uh, Samuel Omashigo, they're going to work a little bit with him inside. P.J. Adeboare, they've got up to 265. Uh, Gentry Williams had labrum surgery. He's going to be out for the spring. Coach, of course, mentioned the young guys getting an opportunity with that, the case with Gentry, uh, the Josiah Wagners, Macari Vickers, and Jacoby Johnson. And then um, then he, he really seems to like the walk-ons that they've got. And I guess I wasn't aware – Connor, about how many of the grad transfers were walk-ons, right? Uh, in in Roberts and Thompson, um, I mentioned uh, the the kid that's coming in out of uh, Utah. You know they've got the, a lot. Yeah, of Mal- the, the Malaska kid, Malaska, Malaska. Yeah, I mean he seemed to when when he was talking about Malaska, he's like, hey, his testing is off the charts athletically. Um, so it's just. I know it's kind of getting on the cusp of spring talking season, and then we have a full off season of talking season. But in all the things that Brent Venables talked about, uh, it seems as if he's very happy with the foundation that they have in place. Well, a lot of those guys that you mentioned, the walk-ons, they can help on the special teams. I think Malaska is a big one coming from uh, Utah. So just those uh, parts on the field that can help out the team in a big way. Well, it's well worth your time. I think we re, we I I think I hit on the highlights of it. If there's anything that you guys heard that maybe we missed, 405-651-3439. But at the very least, I would encourage everyone to check it out. Uh, obviously, the Teddy we get every single day here from 3 to 6, most days. Uh, and he and Gabe's podcast, The Oklahoma Breakdown, is uh, really one of the best to listen to to learn more about the game and, and get a little scoop like Brent Venables gave us today. Our Primrose Funeral Services final thoughts are coming up next with two things. Number one, the best of the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. And then number two, maybe one of the worst ever opening statements from an attorney ever. But at least he gave it every football analogy possible. We'll dive into it next right here on The Ref. All right, our final segment is always brought to you by... Primrose Funeral Services, we call it our Primrose Funeral Services Final Thoughts. Pre-plan your memorial service today. Go to primrosefuneralservice.com, 405-321-6000 on the phone. It's not an easy conversation, but it's one that takes the pain away from the sadness of the day in which you move on in this world. So, I, I don't. I don't even like. To, my wife was bringing up uh, it the other day. It's like you want to start talking about, uh, you know, this was, you know, what you're going to leave to your will. And I'm like, no. But you know what? I realize I tell you guys every day. You got to think about it. PrimroseFuneralService.com. So I'm thinking about it. Um, there's a lot to get to.
it is um it is kind of sad that Josh isn't with us today. Not because Connor Pasby, I don't like hanging out with you. But we had the statement from Chief Saholic lawyer last night. Have you heard this yet? I, I've seen people talk about it, okay. but I haven't haven't watched it. It fits in perfectly in our final thoughts because they they sent old Chief Saholic off to the slammer for a while. He's uh in in one of those more shocking news. I, I know that it's it's hard to imagine, but when you break the law and you rob a bank, you're going to go to jail for a long time. Crazy thought, right? But Xavier Babudar, also known as Chief Saholic, pled guilty, and they still dinged him with 50 years. So for that, Chief Saholic lawyer Matthew, I believe the name is me, was not happy and tried to use every football analogy in the book to make it make sense. From the beginning of this case, folks, the government has been blitzing, and Xavier's pocket was collapsing. But today... Xavier stepped into the pressure. He took responsibility for his actions. He stood up in court, humble and repentant, and admitted what he had done. Now, if I know anything about Xavier, and if the Chief's Kingdom knows anything about Chief Saholic, we know that he doesn't give up. We know that if he stumbled and he fell, he didn't let his knee touch the ground. And that's because he's capable of doing a great thing. And he knows that there's still hope. We still have a lot of work to do on his case, but Xavier wants everyone to know that he loves the Chiefs' kingdom, he loves Kansas City, and he hopes that you'll rally to his support. <laughs> what in the world? I know, right? I don't even know what else to add to it. They were blitzing the whole time, and as the pocket was collapsing. <laughs> Come on, dude. He, did, he didn't I, let his knee go down? That, what he said, that, was, that was another one of my favorites. During the whole time. He did not let his knee touch the ground. <laughs> oh my gosh. I I always make fun of myself whenever I go to these FFA events because that's how they have to feel about me, right? Try to talk about <laughs> farm stuff. It's like, yeah, pig feed, huh? <laughs> Feeding the pigs, right? How about those pigs? What about those? So that's, I wonder, you know, if I'm sitting here judging this guy who obviously knows nothing about sports. But yet, I probably sound. Oh, sorry, buddy. I probably sound the same way whenever I'm trying to give a <laughs> give a breakdown of what's going on with uh, with with my pig. Uh, to the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line to wrap it up. I, by the way, I also like how he's like to let Chiefs Kingdom know that I love them. Is there any? And I do mean anybody. What's up, Gary? That is sitting around going, That's just Chiefs Kingdom, man. That's for you, Chiefsaholic. I would have. What if Patrick Mahomes, when he's holding up the trophy, he's like, "That's for Chiefsaholic." <laughs> we we love you with the the wolf soup. Now we we know you robbed the bank, but believe in him. What what is to believe in that you could rob a bank and lie on Twitter? What are we even doing right now? Oh, okay. Uh, to the text. Sorry. Chapstick writes, "I'll be there. Standing room only Sunday." We'll see how it goes. Wish I was a Tier 1 or Tier 2 donor so I'd actually buy season tickets. Already time to add a second deck and more seating, I guess. I would agree with that. Um, I told you guys I told you guys yesterday I was talking to a staff member, not softball, but an athletic staff member, 
and they brought up how the only tickets that are even available to them are standing room only, which is wild because, to me, what does that signal? We needed a bigger boat. Chapstick also added this as a, as a rare double shot late in the show. He writes, there needs to be some standardization of conferences for football, not necessarily who's in each conference, but the structure of the conference. For instance, 10 teams are below as one division, up to 20 is two divisions, over 20 is four. Just examples, numbers may be different. Conference championships can then become a part of the playoffs, which might end up being the fu- the future of it anyway. Um, Frisco Nate, I thought 580 Nate. Frisco Nate, Frisco Sooner, writes, <laughs> I thought 580 Nate brought up a great question. Should OU have stayed in the Big 12? And had they known what they know now with the playoff changes and new realignment, would both them and Texas have stayed in the Big 12? Oh, and God bless Eagle Nikki and her family. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a good question, though. If this happened when OU and Texas were still in the Big 12, would they, would they have stayed? No, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think so. I think the... The financial opportunities, this wasn't a knee-jerky McJerkerson thing. I think they had dug into it quite a bit, and they realized, all right, financially, if we want to be where we need to be after you know, everything that had happened with COVID and with you know, just the Big 12 TV rights and things of that nature, it was, let's, let's go see what the market has to offer. And even with this, which I completely understand, I still think if an opportunity is there to go to the SEC, you're going to do it. I don't think this changes at all. And Big Chris, who truly is seven feet tall, writes, when Lexi Keys hit that three-pointer, I jumped through the roof. I hit my hand in the ceiling fan. Chris, you are seven foot tall. So I think that, (laughs) I mean, just lifting your hand up in general might create a problem like that. All right, Connor, are you back with us manana? It will be Pierce tomorrow oh. morning. I am closing on a house tomorrow. So Whoa. I got to get, get that take, yeah, taken care of. I needed to get into radio at this. I wish radio was paying then what it pays now. Holy smokes. <laughs> uh, congratulations, dude. That's really cool. That's really cool. Uh, and very nerve-wracking. So best of luck tomorrow. I hope it goes well for you. I know it will. Hey, we'll see you guys back here tomorrow. I'll be live from Love's. Josh is in Vegas. But for the first time in the history of the Steel Man and Thune at Noon show, Parker Thune is live from here at Cavens, and it's coming up next on The Wrap.